Well, good morning, Life Church. It is uh, another great day to gather together, isn't it? I am so glad, as Stacy already mentioned, that you've chosen to worship with us here today. Um, what an ex what a great day it's already been, man! They just do an amazing uh, job. Our uh, team up here, and so many out here from our tech team. And there's so much that goes in to make this happen, and we have some amazing people that just give their talents. And that back back there, that back. If you ever walk back by that back table, just take a look at it at the end of service. There's a lot that goes on back there. So thank you guys for your dedication and all that. Not only because we always stream live each week on top of doing it, I'm telling you. What, what we do back there and with that, what uh, Cleeth has put together, with, it is a minor miracle what we pull off every, literally every week in a setup and teardown situation to uh, do the streaming and to do it to the way that we do it. it. It is an incredible thing. So thank you all for doing that. And so much work. Normally we're able to set up on Friday nights. Um, and uh, you know what? And if you're not a part of that and you'd like to a place to serve, man, we could use your help, man, a plate for you to get in here, help us set things up each every week. Um, we, everything in here has to go up and down and put away and a lot of work uh, that, that goes into that. We have some amazing teams that make all that happen. But if you're looking for a place to serve, that's a great place to start. Great place to get in on because I, I tell you what, it's because of uh, so many dedicated people that we're able to do this each and every week in a portable setup, teardown environment here. So thank you for all of our volunteers, our dream team. You guys are, you guys are amazing. Well, today's the Exciting day. We've been talking about the last couple weeks. Um, we have a special guest with us with us this morning. Uh, Brian Moak is here today. Uh, well, let's all welcome Brian. Well, would you all welcome him? Brian, you can come on up. Brian is um, a we, Life Church partners with some great organizations, and one of them is Converge. And uh, we are part of Converge Worldwide and also Converge Mid America. Uh, we are part of, and Brian is in charge of church strengthening with uh, Converge Mid America, and it's been. It's been awesome getting to know Brian over the last year or so, and uh, just uh, I'm ex if you were back here in August when he spoke and he administered our um, a church assessment process. Hopefully that doesn't uh, be okay there for you. Yeah, there you go. Um, but but this is a special weekend that we invited Brian to come be a part of, and uh, a prayer weekend here at Life Church. He's going to be speaking on prayer in a minute, and tonight at six o'clock, right back here. A little bit different for Life Church. We've been talking about that for the last several weeks. We don't normally do Sunday night service and everything because of the nature of what we have and all. Um, but with this on Sunday night, tonight at 6 o'clock right here, it's going to be a time of worship and prayer. A time for us to get in the presence of God and connect with God tonight. You're not going to want to miss it. There's some amazing things. It's going to be an amazing evening. And uh, come on back this evening. Spend some time with us. And, uh, and, and we'll spend some time worship and in prayer. Uh, but uh, now, Brian, you're going to take it away, man. And um, look forward to see what God does here. Thanks, man. You know, I'm, I'm realizing, so the second time I've been with you all, and so uh, I'm starting to feel like family, right? And uh, th this elementary school thing is really uh, getting, getting to me. I'm feeling, I feel like a giant, uh, but uh, it's great uh, to be with you all again. I love coming to your church. I tell your pastor that I brag about you guys all the time. Uh, Converge Mid-America slash Southeast slash uh, Caribbean. We're up to almost 600 churches in our region. And uh, so I get to travel all over the place. And I say, man, one place you got to be is you got to be at Life Church in Horizon West. I'm telling you, God is up to something uh, in your midst. And uh, I love worshiping with you all. 
I love, I, I feel like, I feel old when I'm here because it's such a young, vibrant church. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I am a grandpa and everything, but man, I really feel like a grandpa uh, in, in that sense. But what an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. It, uh, our churches, we need to be uh, young and, 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 and young people help make us old people uh, young again. Uh, right? And uh, so that's a great thing. So, so thank you for inviting me. And I do want to encourage you to come back tonight. You think, oh my goodness, you know, what are we, we're going we're gonna to just pray? Yeah. And I, I give you a money back guarantee that you won't be bored. I promise you. The, the time will fly by. I guarantee it. Um, but man, we just want to come before the Lord in prayer and, and worship and see what he wants to do. Uh, that's that's the deal. We we allow ourselves to to have him move, to have him do uh, what he's already about doing in the first place. And man, we live in some crazy crazy days, and um, and and there is only one uh, way through all of this, and it's Jesus. He, he's it. He's it. It's all there is. And so we need to come, and we need to come before him and pray, and seek him know him and love him and share him all over the place so that he might be glorified. So let me pray uh, to start and uh, then we'll get right at it, all right? Lord, thank you uh, for today. We have come to worship you. We have done that through song. We have done that through prayer. Lord, we do that now through the opening up of your word Lord, uh, the last thing we need here this morning is more information. God, we want transformation. You, we want you, Holy Spirit, to do something new in our lives that we might be different people because of you. Uh, Lord, speak to us. We are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My parents, uh, they're best friends. They, they've been best friends since Jesus was here the first time. Um, and uh, they're, they're Catholic, and, uh, and, and we spent lots of time together as families. And spending lots of time together, that meant we ate together a lot. We shared a lot of meals together. And, and so before we would eat together, we would, of course, pray and the Catholic kids would go first, especially if we were at their house, they, they would start, and they would pray their prayer in unison, and it went something like this. Blessed, O Lord, for these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from your bounty through Christ our Lord, amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Some of you are actually praying that even as we start today. <laughs> um, they could really say that prayer fast. I mean, they could zip through it, and, and, and so could I. I knew that prayer as well as they did because they did the exact same prayer every single time. Well, we were good Baptist kids, so we really knew how to pray, and, and we kind of looked down our noses at the monotony of this unthinking prayer that, that we were hearing, and, and so it was the Baptist kids' turn to make all things right. And unlike the rote version of our friend's prayer, our prayers were meaningful. Our prayers were personal. And, and usually my sister would go first because she was younger and, and, and she would pray this, thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. 
And then it was my turn because I was the mature, older brother, Christian, and I would say, thank you, Jesus, for this food and for this day. Amen. (laughs) And we prayed the same prayer monotonously every single time, and I guarantee that our Catholic friends could recite our prayer even better than we could recite theirs. I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning. I'm not criticizing simple praying. As a matter of fact, I'm going to address that in just a few minutes. And I also don't mean to criticize formulaic praying because I think that Jesus gave us a formula for prayer, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes as well. What what I'm trying to address instead is this difference between coming to the Lord in prayer as an act of worship or simply just uh, to go through the motion of prayer right? A a motion, a prayer that neither connects our hearts or our minds. Another way to say it is, is to maybe ask the question this way. How many times have we really prayed? How many times have you prayed in your life? Now, I'm not asking how many lists you've made or how many religious instructions you've obeyed or how many games of guilty Christian you've played or how many public speeches you've relayed or how many recitations you've portrayed. I'm asking, how many times have you prayed? How many times have you cried, whimpered, sighed, whispered, tried to listen, died and risen? How many times have you approached God honestly, asking for nothing but got everything, had everything to hide but hid nothing, said not a word but spoke endlessly, never opened your eyes but saw eternity? How many times have you reached inside yourself so deeply that you pulled out something you didn't recognize? How many times have you approached your maker, not as who you want to be, not as who you wish you were, not as who you think you are, not as who you ought to be, but just as you are, with all the dirt that covered you when God first fell in love with you? How many times have you run to your lover for passion, your provider for rations, your father for lessons, your instructor for lashings? Oh, how many times? have you prayed for your God's ear it waits for one drop of confession one honest expression one wild connection don't approach the living God with dead prayers but come to him when your lifeless prayers are dead and the spirit on your tongue is dripping with life then every syllable you speak will be a divine trade your mouth will leak with the flood of praise that you've made then the number you seek will be far too high to be weighed and you'll never be able to answer the question, how many times have you prayed? Ordinary people to talk to the God who created everything. I, I hope this morning as we sort of walk through this that, that not only will you learn some stuff about how to pray, 
but, but even more importantly than that, that your passion and your desire for prayer will increase as well. So to kind of launch out in this, the, the first thing we need to talk about is, is the fact that prayer needs to be our highest priority, I think. I say one of the highest priorities. I'm not sure that it doesn't need to be our highest priority. 1 Timothy 2, chapter 1, or chapter 2, verse 1, excuse me, says this, I urge then, Paul says to Timothy, first of all, as a matter of first importance, that all requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Paul is reminding us in this little simple verse that prayer is absolutely essential in every aspect of our life. Prayer is absolutely our first job before we do anything else. I read a book several years ago called Margins, written by a guy by the name of Dr. Richard Swenson. And his thesis in that book is that our culture is so busy that we don't have any margin in our life. And, and he defines margin as the space between our load, that is the things that we're doing, and our limits, that is our capacity to do those things. For instance, if you're getting six hours of sleep a night and your body needs eight hours of sleep, well, you don't have any physical margin. The, the load is more than the limits. As a matter of fact, he defines it that you're working in overload. Or if you make $1,000 a week and you spend $1,100 a week, well, you're not living with financial margin. And you can go on and on with that. The problem with the American culture is that we take a certain amount of pride in not living with margin. So, for instance, when we ask someone, hey, how you doing? A lot of times the response you get is, oh, I'm good. I'm real what? Busy. And then we respond and say, oh, yeah, I'm real busy too. And, and we leave that conversation with a sort of sense of pride because somehow we think that this idea of being busy is a good thing. I, I'm convinced that this sort of thinking is poor. As a matter of fact, I'd call it stinking thinking. Because hard work is important, and we know that to be true. But living in this constant state of overload as busy people, well, I just don't think that's a good thing. In my experience, one of the first things that goes when I'm in that sense of overload is in my relationship with Christ. I don't have time. And maybe even more specifically, I see that, uh, that, that neglect happen in my prayer life. I don't have time to pray. I got too much stuff going on. The paradox of that is that because of the myriad of activities, responsibilities, and relationships that we have, we need to be about prayer first. Martin Luther the great theologian, he said, I have so much business I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. John Wesley, famous pastor, devoted two hours daily to prayer. By the way, this is a man who preached two to three times a day, seven days a week. Adoniram Judson, one of the greatest missionaries of all times, he withdrew from the business of the day seven times a day for prayer. First at dawn, then at 9, 12, 3, 6, 9, and midnight. These were busy people. I mean, they, they were busy people. 
But they knew that without making prayer a first priority, the rest of the business of the day wouldn't be as effective. But what about you? What about me? I mean, it's so easy. Yeah, these, this is great and everything, but these guys, like, they're like super Christians. They're, they, they, these guys wrote books. They, 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 whole, whole denominations are built off of guys like this. That, that's not real. Nobody can be like them. Or I look at a, a, something like this and I say, I'm, I'm just throwing in the towel because I can't pray like that. I don't even know if I want to pray like that. So I'm, I'm just going to give it all up. Well, if you have those thoughts, I just want you to know that you're not alone because I have those exact same thoughts. But I want you to remember, because I've got to remember, uh, that, that I'm not where I want to be as it relates to my prayer life, but the more I push into it, the more that I give to prayer, uh, the more I grow in my desire for prayer. Just, it's just an interesting thing that God does. The devotional author Richard Foster said this, occasional joggers do not suddenly enter an Olympic marathon. They prepare and they train themselves over a period of time, and so should we. When such a progression is followed, we can expect to pray a year from now with greater authority and spiritual success than at present. So we need to start off recognizing that we need to make prayer this first importance in our life. And I would go so far as to say that prayer is not only essential for us individually, it is essential for us as a church. Number two, prayer ought to come out of a healthy desperation. I shared it with the leaders last night. This idea of healthy desperation is a recognition that while nothing is impossible with God, we know that to be true, Apart from Christ's presence and his power in our lives, nothing of kingdom value is going to be gained. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, there's not much you can do. Eh, wrong answer. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing has given me more uh, understanding of this idea of praying with a healthy desperation than having kids. Just like you, I worry about my kids all the time. And that worry seems to only intensified since they become adults because now I don't even have any control in their lives as though I did in the first place. And now I have grandkids. Now I just worry all the time about them. I'm telling you what, when something difficult is going on in their lives, it's pretty easy for me to come before the Lord with a healthy desperation. My wife and I, we come and we pray together, and God, you've got to move. We're begging you, help Calvin to feel better. Help Taylor to figure out this job thing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But honestly, there are seasons in my life really long seasons in my life when things are going pretty good. The kids are good. The grandkids are good. Life is moving along smoothly. And this is when I tend to lose my healthy desperation and this urgency for prayer first. 
praying with this healthy desperation, says, oh God, we must have you. If we want our lives to count for Christ and his kingdom, if we believe that fruitfulness only comes by his grace in us, and if we truly believe that apart from him, we can do nothing, well, then we've got to be desperate for his presence. And again, we've got to be desperate personally, and we have to be desperate for him as a church as well. One of the most important books I ever read in my entire life is entitled Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. A guy by the name of Jim Cimbala, a pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. And when I read that book, I became convinced that without a corporate, that is this church corporate idea, this healthy desperation for prayer, our churches are powerless. Shortly after reading that book, a group of six of us from the church that I was serving in Ohio went to Brooklyn uh, to attend the Tuesday evening prayer service of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And I'm telling you, I have never before and never since been a part of anything quite like it. The experience changed me. It changed our church as the six of us saw about 2,000 people. Imagine that. 2,000 people gathered together on a Tuesday night for only one purpose, and that was to pray. And they didn't just go through some sort of prayer motion, some sort of ritual. I'm telling you, there were times in which the prayer was so intense, it was like a cacophony of sound that was going on. People kind of wailing, as you will, as people were brought into the throne room pleading for God to move. So we came back from that experience, the six of us, and we said, we don't ever want prayer to be the same again in our church. We had a Wednesday night prayer meeting that was really about 45 minutes of Bible study, 10 minutes of prayer requests, and five minutes of prayer. We called that a prayer meeting, and we changed it. We changed it to 45 minutes of of prayer and worship and a 10-minute devotional around the issues of prayer. Interestingly enough, we saw God move powerfully. We saw answers to prayer all over the place transformed lives. People were actually physically healed from illness. And and we saw our church grow in health. Uh, And and it seemed that the more emphasis we put on prayer, incidentally, coincidentally, God moved more. But as he moved more and more and things began to grow, after a few years, man, we got busy again. And our our healthy desperation for for prayer, it was just palpable how it was just changing. The the spiritual climate just kind of changed in a negative way. It wasn't like horrible, but it it was just we just didn't have that desperation that we had before. Symbola says this, the devil is not terribly frightened of our human efforts and credentials, but he knows his kingdom will be damaged when we begin to lift up our hearts to God. He could care less of what we do until we go to the throne room. Our churches must pray with healthy desperation if we want to see real spiritual transformation take place. And then third, we need to expect that God's actually going to move when we pray. One of my favorite stories in all of Scripture comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 12 to 16. And so, just setting this table real quick is, is Peter was in prison. And the believers had gathered together and they were having an all-night prayer meeting. And guess what they were praying for? They were praying desperately for God to release Peter from prison. 
So that's the setup. When this had dawned on him, that is Peter recognizing his miraculous rescue from prison, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And again, praying for Peter. So Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. I can imagine, ah! She slammed the door back, and she ran to tell everybody about it. She said, Peter's at the door! Well, in all the spiritual maturity they could muster, having this prayer meeting all night, they said, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting, no, I'm serious, Peter's at the door, they said, it must be an angel. (laughs) But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I mean, friends, how, how often are we surprised when God actually answers our prayer? Or, or worse, how often do we forget the prayers that we, that, that we asked, and so when God actually answers them, we don't even remember to celebrate his faithfulness. Now we know that prayer is an act of worship, so we pray not some, because of some sort of feeling or demand, or, or God is some sort of vending machine, you know, we put the prayer in and we expect to get the product out that we prayed for. We know that we pray to him out of the abundance of our love for him. But guys, we also need to pray with expectation. We need to pray expecting and assuming that God is going to move. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 9 to 11, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We shouldn't be surprised like Peter's friends were when God actually answers our prayer. Oh, that we would pray with such expectation that we're confident that when we pray, God is not only listening, but God is ready to answer and to move. So, prayer needs to be one of our highest priorities. It needs to be done with a healthy desperation for him to move, and it needs to be done with an expectation that he will actually move, which leads us to the last point, is in how in the world do we do it? How how do we pray this way? How do we pray with this healthy desperation? How do we pray with this expectation? How do we move from feeling inadequate in our praying to feeling confident and capable as a praying people? I love the fact that the disciples who lived with Jesus had the same question of him. (laughs) Although they had been taught in the synagogue their whole lives how to pray, these were Jewish men who, who knew how to pray the Jewish way. They they knew somehow that their praying was lacking. In Luke chapter 11, after the disciples heard Jesus praying, they recognized, wait a minute, we're missing something. And they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, we find an expanded account of Jesus' response. And so if you've got your Bibles, this is one spot we're actually going to stick in for a while. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Your Bibles or a phone that looks like a Bible, it'll be on the screen as well. Um, And so let me read the account. So Jesus says this to them, when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. 
Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because there are many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, then the Father will not forgive your sins. This passage actually starts out with how not to pray. (laughs) And there's two groups of people that we're not supposed to pray like. First, we're not supposed to pray like a group called the hypocrites. And the hypocrites, man, they were good prayers. My grandpa was a great prayer. He wasn't a hypocrite, but he was a thee and thou kind of prayer. You know what I mean? Like, like when they pray, you're like, oh my goodness, this is on a whole other planet of really good praying than I can ever do. Um, it's kind of like the hypocrites were doing, but, but they were praying for show. So they were going to the street corners where they knew that there was a lot of foot traffic and they would lift up their prayers to God. Aren't we amazing? God said, don't pray like them. Then there was this other group called the pagans. And the pagans, they thought that if they just babbled and said a lot of words that didn't necessarily mean anything, well, that wasn't really praying either. Don't be like them. Don't use a bunch of words. Just just come to me. Don't be like those pagans. Jesus is saying in these verses that prayer is neither to impress God or man. Specifically, since God knows us so completely that he already knows all of our needs. I remember when I graduated from seminary, I could hardly pray anymore because I was so worried about getting my theology wrong in my praying. Until finally, God's like, just, would you just talk to me? We need to remember that prayer is a relationship. It's our union with God. Someone is quoted as saying, power in prayer is not measured by the clock. One of the best prayers I ever heard was from a new Christian who started his prayer like this. God, I'm not really sure uh, how to do this. I'm not very good at this, but dot, dot, dot. It was so awesome. Kids pray the best. They're not trying to be anything. They're just talking to God. We need to be like that. Then Jesus goes on and he says, don't pray like that. Instead, I want you to pray like this. The first part of this prayer that we all know so well starts with our relationship with God. Our Father in heaven. Such a powerful thing, those four words. That word, our. Christ wasn't saying, I'm just just speaking of myself. He's saying, no, no. When he says, our Father, he was including all the disciples and us as well in that prayer. He's our Father. That word connects us relationally. He's not just some uninterested, deistic God who sort of put everything in motion and then said, good luck to you. He's Father. That word in Arabic is Abba, which is a term of endearment. It's like saying Daddy. Our Father in heaven. Let's not forget, though, Even though we can crawl up on his lap and call him daddy, he is still the creator of the universe. 
He's a father like no other father. His realm is not here. It's in the heavenlies. He's everywhere. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. That's our Father in heaven. So what do we do with that? We say, hallowed be your name. His name is to be revered, to be regarded as holy by us. And in fact, everyone the world over, when we pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we're reminded to thank God for his relationship with us. We are his, don't ever doubt it. We need to thank Him because we didn't establish that relationship with Him. He did it. And then we need to commit ourselves afresh to living in the reality of what that relationship is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Second, we pray with a kingdom mentality. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're actually essentially praying, Lord, may your kingdom reign impact more people in our community. Oh God, may your kingdom come in Horizon West, right? May your kingdom reign transform people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Oh God, may your kingdom be expanded in the Ukraine and in Russia, right? May your kingdom's will and reign have a greater and greater impact and influence in our culture and society. Oh God, may your kingdom's reign do away with those things that are immoral, that are against your will. And then someday, Lord God, when we see you face to face, we're reminded that his kingdom will be perfect. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine if our our lies, if God's kingly reign invaded every aspect of it? Can you imagine, Life Church, uh, if, if, if our community, our nation, the, the whole world that way? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Here at Life Church, as it is in heaven. Three, God invites us to bring requests covering our two most basic needs. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts that is our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors, that is those who sin against us. Author and professor Scott Hafeman wrote, many things we call needs we could really get along without, but there are two things we can't live without, and that's food and forgiveness. The food part we get, that's easy, because it's here that we ask God our most basic needs, and these are the prayers that, by the way, we most often bring to God. Lord, we need money to pay the gas bill, and the account is empty. Lord, my car is shot and I can't seem to find anything I can afford. God, I've got a test tomorrow and I haven't studied for it. Would you help me with the answers? Or please help the teacher to be sick, right? In his prayer, Jesus didn't ask the Father for steak or lobster. He asked him for bread. And not even just bread, daily bread. Just enough for today. When the Israelites got manna, that weird stuff from heaven, that was a daily thing. He purposely did it that way because he wants us to say, God, take care of today and I'll trust you for tomorrow. But the second part of this, that's the more difficult one. Forgive us our debts, our sins as we forgive our debtors, those who sin against us. The first half of that we're good with because we want our sins forgiven, right? (laughs) But you mean to tell me I got to forgive people who sin against me as well? I don't think so. 
Verse 14 and 15, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We cannot pray with effectiveness with unconfessed sin personally or an unforgiving heart toward others. George Mueller, one of the great prayers of all time, said this, but if you live in sin and if you willfully and habitually do things which you know are contrary to the will of God, then you cannot expect him to hear you. You've got to keep short accounts with God and with each other. There is nothing that anyone has ever done to you that gives you the freedom or the right to not have an unforgiving heart. Now please understand me. I'm not talking about forgetting. I'm not talking about the necessity of the restoration of an abusive or a destructive relationship. That's a whole nother issue. That's a whole nother sermon. But brothers and sisters, Scripture is pretty clear that our connection with God through prayer is directly connected to our relationship with other people. Is there anything that we're holding against someone else that we need to forgive? We need to ask God to lead us in extending forgiveness so that our prayers won't be hindered. Number four, prayer is essential in daily spiritual warfare. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do you recognize that we're in a daily fight for faith? A spiritual battle? Our enemy is not our neighbor. Our enemy is not Vladimir Putin. Our enemy is the devil. And by the way, he's not simply trying to make us miserable. Keep us from the devil's mischief. Mischief? That ain't, that ain't what he's trying to do. He's trying to destroy us. And he's going to do anything he can do to do that to us. One pastor said this, no one is above falling. No one is above shelving his or her faith, family, and heritage. No one is above yielding to temptation. I have two pastors right now in our movement that are getting a divorce from their wives. No one is above falling. The truth of this prayer might be restated this way. Lord, please protect me from temptations beyond what I can bear. Make your escape routes clear. Don't let Satan get to me. Make sure you understand, I'm not talking about an absence of sin. We're going to struggle with sin till the day we die. It's a thing I can't wait for about heaven. Yes, I can't wait to see Jesus, but I can't wait to ever be sinning again. <laughs> It's gone forever and ever. We're perfect. We don't ever have to pray that prayer, part of the prayer any, anymore. But until that day, we will struggle with sin. So we need to, to, to go to him, as 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We need to be uh, like Joseph. When he was tempted to sin, he ran the other way, away from what was going on. Lord, please protect me from temptations beyond what I can bear. Make your escape routes clear. Don't let Satan get to me. Charles Spurgeon said this, If God be near a church, it must pray. And if he not be there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness in prayer. 
I said it last night, but I've never counseled a couple on the verge of divorce. I ask everyone this question when I do this, is do you pray together with your spouse? I've never had a couple on the verge of divorce answer that question, yes. I've never been to a church that is struggling to be healthy and I ask them the question, How, how's, how's the prayer life of your church? I've never had them say, it is off the charts. <laughs> couple that prays together stays together. A church that prays together stays together. That's what Spurgeon's saying in that quote. And really, it's what this entire message has been about. We need to pray. If we don't pray, we're just an organization that's doing stuff rather than an organism that is fed and nourished and growing as a living thing. We need to pray at prayer meetings. We need to pray tonight. By the way, it's way better than anything you're going to watch on TV tonight. I saw Inventing Anna. It's not all that great. We need to pray at every worship team practice. We need to pray at every Bible study, at every discipleship class, at every small group, at every ministry team meeting. As a matter of fact, we should be interrupting meetings with prayer. Let's just stop. I was at a search team meeting and a high school kid was, was a part of the search team and he said, I, we were struggling with something. He said, a high school kid said, I think we just need to stop and pray. Are you kidding me? That was amazing. We should see people praying together in the hallways. What's going on back there? Oh, it's nothing. They're just praying. It happens all the time around here. The front of our auditorium should be filled with people asking for prayer after our services. We, we need as churches to take 1 Thessalonians 5.17 seriously. One of the shortest verses in all the Bible, pray continuously. We can memorize that one. It's only then that we can be sure that it's God that's moving in our midst and, and that's not just some cool idea on our part. In closing, my job is to see churches strengthened. It's what I get up to do every day. I love it. Best gig I've ever had. And so because of that, I got a lot of books on my shelf that help churches to think more strategically, to lead more effectively, to reach out to non-Christians more regularly. I mean, they're good things. They're, most of them are good books even. But my fear is that we're going to forget the most effective way to strengthen our churches, and that's to pray. To pray first. To pray with a healthy desperation. And to pray for expecting that God is going to move. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We are overwhelmed by the fact that the God who never wasn't <laughs> In other words, we go back as far as we can go in history and in time, and you precede all of it. You are the uncreated creator. That, that one thought just should blow the synapses of our minds. God, you, 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 don't, you don't need us. You, we're, we're, you're not beholding to us. And yet you love us and want to talk to us. And I confess in front of this group of people this morning that I too easily forget that. I allow myself to get busy and to, to miss what it is that you want to do in and through us. Forgive me, Lord. 
I pray for myself this morning that I would put a, a, a renewed desire, a new healthy desperation, a new reality that you are a God who answers and I want to come to you more often. You're my father. Way better than my earthly father who was a good father. You love me so much that you sent your son Jesus so that I could have life through you. What else can we do but to come and magnify you and exalt you and say thank you to you for all of it? God, move in this place. Move in life, church, in ways that there's no other way to explain what's going on but, because, but that God is in, on the move. Help life, church, to pray big prayers. Red Sea kind of prayers that only you can separate, only you can make dry land through. And we will make sure to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Church, I've been challenged uh, last night and again this morning and, and reminded when we look back just a few years ago when Life Church began, man, there was a healthy desperation. And boy, there were those times where in my living room where we'd gather with my team and boy, we just begged God, God, would you show up? God, will you change lives? God, will you do incredible things beyond what we can imagine or think? And you know what God did? God did that. God has, God's established a church and God's done incredible things in people's lives. And I've been reminded through last night and this morning that Boy, it's time for us to get a healthy desperation again, isn't it? It's real easy now. You know, we, well, nothing about this has been easy, has it? But it'd be real easy to just kind of get a little lackadaisical. Why? Because, you know, we got, we got a little money in the bank now, right? We got, you know, we, we, we got people that show up each and every week around here. But I was, yesterday, well, just, just this whole weekend has just been, man, God just been working on me. We're out there, Horizon West Fest yesterday, and seeing the mass of people everywhere, all around. And that I know, man, most of those people, they're, they're, they're spiritually disconnected. They're not part of a church. They're, 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 for whatever reasons, because of maybe moving and moving, leaving another church family and then moving here, or whether they've ever been in church or not, it just reminded me that, boy, we've got to pray. In, 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 in Scripture, Jesus said, I promise you, we'll be out of here in just a minute. Jesus, whenever he sent out his disciples, when he sent them out two by two, it, it, it's where he, he says, he looks out and he sees the, the, that the harvest field is white unto harvest, that, that there are people everywhere. But he didn't say to pray for that, for the harvest out there, but he said, pray that the Lord of the harvest, that he'd send laborers into it. Boy, that we would pray that God would just keep raising up people here at Life Church, raising up leaders and, and, and raise up a church that has a heart for the people that are outside these walls. Man, I tell you what, there's still so much work to do. So many more people need Jesus. They need to have a relationship with him. I love what Brian said, you know, prayer is relationship, right? Prayer is just relationships. Talk to God this week. 
Well, I'm not going to preach now. You guys will be glad. So, but um, you know, just just one other thing, and then we'll, we'll we'll get you out of here. All all of us like to know kind of what next steps are in life, don't you? And uh, here here at Life Church, you know, you might have been around Life Church for quite a while, or maybe today's your first day, and you're just trying to feel your way around of uh, what what all happens around here. Well, we have a great opportunity, and if you've never been part of our next steps, you you need to uh, on March 20th and 27th. Uh, there's an opportunity two separate weeks right after the service at 1130. It's going to be right here in Story Grove, and we'll get you all those details. If you sign up out here uh, in the lobby at the iPads, or um, you can go to our website and sign up, you're going you're gonna to find out everything about Life Church. It's going to be 1130 to 1230 on March 20th and 27th. It's going to be, a, it, that, that should be your next step. If, if you're around here at Life Church, you've never been part of that. And you're going to hear all about us and where we're going and what we're doing and our vision and, and all those things. You're going to find out a little bit about yourself through that process. And in that, I'm telling you, it's going to be an amazing thing. And through the end of that, you, you, you'll be able to have the opportunity to become a partner here with Life Church. Life Church, I love you. Thank you guys so, so much for being here today. Would you all stand with me? Would, 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 would you all again thank Brian here for being here with us and taking time this weekend? Church, let's see you back here tonight at 6 o'clock, okay? You're going to love it. It's going to be an amazing time. God, thank you for this time. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the church here. Lord, we're thankful for the time that uh, you've given us to gather together to make much of you. Now, God, I pray that as we go out this afternoon, God, and I, I pray that we come back tonight excited to get into your presence, God, to hear from you this evening, to talk with you, to build a relationship with you. God, I pray that we see you do incredible things amongst us. God, we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we'll see you in just a little while.